Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino & Keller, Attorneys at Law with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sampson joined by Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. It's been the... been an active off-season. We're we're here to celebrate the two-year anniversary of Notre Dame's Citrus Bowl win uh, over LSU. (laughs) Since then, uh, not only has Mike Elko left, replaced by Clark Lee as a defensive coordinator, Mike Elston title change, uh, but just yesterday here, he stand departed for the Chicago Bears, returning to the NFL in the franchise where he was the offensive line coach uh, in the late 2000s, including a Super Bowl appearance. So it's... uh, I think without question, Notre Dame's two best assistant coaches are now off the staff from a staff that Brian Kelly told me was he expected to return intact. Just and, the and, other day, he yeah. said that to you. And it's uh, it's been anything but for Notre Dame this offseason. Um, I guess just first, your thoughts on the most recent news, the he stand departure. Um, what was sort of your <laughs> reaction when you heard yeah, about I, it? Yeah, I told you, I texted you guys, I... I just came out of rehab. Should I turn around and go back in? Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, that's a completely different situation from the Elko situation. I mean, Harry Heastan wants to be in the NFL, wants to be with the Chicago Bears, wanted to be with the Chicago Bears in a better situation than what was offered to him last year. I mean, Matt Nagy's got a lot of people excited. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Harry Heastan that I think that that's exactly what he wants. The timing's great. McGlinchey and Nelson are out the door. It, it made complete sense for him to make that decision. The Elko situation, obviously, is very different. Texas A&M's buying up everybody, including Jerry Schmidt, the strength and conditioning coach for Oklahoma, who, who I knew when he was yeah. at Notre Dame, uh, after 18 years at Oklahoma. Now, you know, uh, Stoops is gone, and so he doesn't have a – a tie to Lincoln Riley, but A&M bought him um, just like they bought Mike Elko. So um, good for Harry. He's staying bad for Notre Dame. Yeah, good for say, the Bears. No matter what the reason, he's not yeah. here coaching Notre Dame's right. offensive line. And that, I totally agree with all the reasons for leaving. Didn't really think it was going to happen, but as soon as you saw why, I was like, oh, yep. All right, well, that makes sense for Harry because that's where he probably he's got belongs. Five, yeah, he's got five years in the NFL right now. He's, he could go coach. Draft one of his linemen, number eight, if he wants to, because it's not yeah, up to him, but they should. He should put it in good, good word for Q. That's a good point. Because, yeah, it, but it doesn't soften the blow if you're a Notre Dame fan going to the Michigan yeah. game that you want Harry Heastan as the number one guy to have in charge of your line, and Mike Elko was the number one guy to have in charge of your defense. Well, and just like, um, you know, you're, there's no way that Notre Dame's offensive line can be as good as it was this year with losing McGlinchey and Nelson. There's no way that your coaching staff 
can be better. Right. You know, right. I mean, I think Clark Lee has a chance to be pretty good. I don't think any of us really know him that well. If anybody's a disciple of Mike Elko, he is. But make decisions on third and ten for thirteen games, and then we'll see just how you know how good you are. Uh, you know, talking to people around Notre Dame as far as Clark Lee goes, um, the feedback that I got on him is more that his personality is probably a better match for like what Notre Dame's about than Mike Elko's. Oh, was. I agree with that. Um, not that Mike Elko was not a really really good assistant coach, but. Um, there's a there's a good confidence in Clark Lee in terms of being able to command a room, have guys follow him, have guys want to play for him. I think as a recruiter, he's good, um, and I think as a, a developer of talent, he's good. Based on what happened with Tavon Coney last year, I mean, it's I think people would be um, short sighted to look at Tavon Coney and just assume that was always going to happen because I think even Clark Lee didn't assume that was always going to happen. He sort of figured out how to make it happen yeah. with Tavon Coney. So it's, it's, and I think Tim, you, Priester, you wrote this in sort of a, a column. It was, it was the right hire at the right time. If, if this hire was made a year ago, it what you would be like, what in the world are you doing? But I think continuity was the box that had to be checked first in this hire more so than at offensive line where it's the guy who or whoever they hire will fall in line with what they're already yeah. doing. They needed somebody to extend what Mike Elko started. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it, it's a situational hire. It's um, a situation you were put in, though, so that's, and they reacted to it fine. It's it, not, it is. Both good points. And there's no reason why. No he, way it would happen prior, but no. this is fine. I mean, you know, he's he spent three years with Elko at three different schools. Is that enough time to know the system well? Um Mike Elko continued to make sure that Clark Lee was with him with every step that he took and had Notre Dame not hired him as a coordinator or somebody else had not hired him as a coordinator, he'd be at Texas A&M now too. So I think that speaks highly of Clark Lee. You know, you don't hire a coordinator so you keep Tavon Coney and Jerry Tillery, but it's a bonus. Uh, you have the re- Yeah, if that happens, and there's no guarantee because if they want to go, they want to go. Um, or one of the two. Um, I will say that the recruits too. I mean, you got you know you he recruited a, a real quality group of linebackers, and that that's important too. It was a situational hire, and I think under the circumstances, the right one. You definitely don't do it just to keep Coney, but it's fair to say that if Coney is just totally on the fence and his defensive coordinator and position coach leaves, he could make a decision. He might not even be totally confident. He'd be like, I'm gone. It's total makes complete sense for a player that's thinking about leaving anyway, which he clearly is. Otherwise, he would have announced his return. So, it works the other way. Had he gone, had Clark Lee gone too, right. your position coach, the only way Courtney comes back is if Lee yeah, is yes, is because of what happened with Elko. Yeah, I don't think that Clark Lee had to have the job, but it's. I mean, Clark Lee could have stayed as a linebacker coach, is what I'm saying, and you could have hired an outside oh, coordinator okay. yeah. and Tavon Courtney. But oh, that's fine. There's some right, my, right, co- right. my coach is still here. But look, they, as far as we know, it seemed they. Brought in at least three candidates. If you interview three candidates and you and you interview Clark Lee and decide he's the best guy for the job, we're not in that room. Add that to the continuity. It's probably the best choice for them, considering the adverse circumstances that nobody expected to have happen. Yeah, it's. I, I think the the next step is obviously. Well, what do you do with the safety position? Because uh, if they went with Haycock from Iowa State, which we reported, that would have fit that dynamic of figuring out a guy who has some expertise at the back end of the defense. I think without question, the whoever they hire at 
to help with the defensive backs and safeties has to be more in the Bill Lewis, Bob Elliott mold of coach where has seen everything, has schemed against everything, and is easy to get along with for players and coaches. Because um, they can't make a young, up-and-coming hire at safety to pair with Todd Light. I just, I think that would be a mess and a disservice probably to Todd Light. Yeah, the sa- Probably even to pair with Clark Lee, right? Yeah, and Clark Lee, yeah. right. Yeah, and the safety position is, I mean, it's just difficult. It doesn't matter, it, you know... As simplified as Mike Elko made the defense, which everybody, you know, I mean, the, most players, maybe a couple exceptions, didn't excel in his defense, but pretty much everybody else did, even in Elko's system. The safety position is really, really difficult. And I threw out a couple names today. I threw out Jeff Burris just because he was there as an analyst. And, oh, in his first year at Northern Iowa, they had 21 interceptions. But um, I, I think you're right, Pete. I mean, I think it, it's a difficult position to play. You need a guy that's seen it all and can adjust on the fly. And I, you know, the Jeff Burses of the world probably, you know, don't fall in that category. No, I think in terms of the offensive line coach, um, you know, you had mentioned Andy Heck, I think on your Thursday thoughts today, he'll be on the, on the hot board that I'm putting out later today for just names to know. Um, that would, I think basically be your dream home run hire. And not because he's a Notre Dame graduate. No, no there's so many other no, reasons. Like on top of that's that. That's on top. Yeah, that's like a bonus. Where Whereas it was the resume line that got Light, Denson, and Reese hired. It's just an extra with Andy Heck. He's, I think, just finished his sixth year with the Chiefs. Or yeah, he fifth, had fifth, not, fifth year I think with the Chiefs. Fifth. He had and nine six with years Jacksonville. With yeah, six is the full-time offensive line coach. And then three is like the assistant offensive line coach who's at Virginia before that as a tight ends coach and then a GA. But, uh, you know, co-captain of the 80 national championship team, first round pick, 12-year pro, uh, basically has everything that you could want um, in your offensive line. I, I have no idea how he would be as a recruiter. I also think the recruiting dynamic for an offensive line coach is brutally overrated. I, I really don't care if you're a good recruiter. I want you to be a good evaluator if you're an offensive yeah, line coach. Yeah, and, and with offensive line coaches, it, it, it comes down to if you are if you put out players that play well, you'll attract good players. Yeah, you know, I mean, Harry Heastan wasn't a great recruiter. Everybody knows that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It goes beyond Andy Heck being a Notre Dame guy. He's been in the NFL for 14 years. He does have, have some experience in college. Um, I threw out a stat at you guys. Nobody averaged more yards per carry this year than the Chiefs. They tied with the Saints. Uh, he's got, you know, pensions coming out of his ears from the NFL as a coach and as a player. Um, you know, and my personal experience with him uh, when he was playing for Notre Dame. Uh, by the way, his last year at Notre Dame, he played for Joe Moore, uh, who he loved, just like everybody else. Um, I mean, mature, cerebral. Who was who was a good offensive who lineman. Who was a good off? Huh? Oh, he was yeah, also the guys who loved Joe Moore were good offensive <laughs> linemen. Correct. That's the the everybody we should call. I, no, I, Jimmy Byrne loves yeah. Harry, Harry Eastman. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We only we only talk to yeah. the guys that were really good that go on and play right. the NFL, and they they tend to love him. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of reasons why Andy Heck would be a good fit. We'll see. Uh, uh, Bruce Feldman. Floated the name Justin Fry from Boston College uh, within the last, I don't know, hour or two. Yeah, I mean, the guys that 
the guys that I, I think are worth mentioning uh, or knowing about, if you are not inclined to read my story later today, I think Brian Ferentz at Iowa, <laughs> offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. Um, he, now he coaches running backs, but right. five-year offensive line coach there. Hank Fraley from UCLA, I think, is interesting. Played in the pros. Not a lot of experience on the college level. Justin Fry, offensive line coach, Boston College. Herb Hand, offensive line coach, Auburn, formerly at Penn State and Vanderbilt. Andy Heck. Tom Manning is the offense coordinator at Iowa State, also the offensive line coach. Jeff Quinn, at least you have to be aware of, uh, analyst at Notre Dame. Ryan Silverfield is the offensive line coach at Memphis, where Chip Long was, but only two years full-time offensive line coach experience. And then Rick Trickett is at least a name to be aware of. Um, he's unemployed right now, probably retiring formerly at Florida State. I've got your um, Bill Lewis slash Bob Elliott choice at safeties coach. Uh, but he's, well, yeah, I mean, he's in his 60s. I guess if you're going to throw out those names, those are guys that are uh, in their 60s. Chuck Heater was uh, the DB coach at Notre Dame from 88 through 90. He's now 63, I believe. Hmm. And he's at Maryland. Uh, really good coach. If you wanted to go that route, the guy with a ton of experience, Chuck Heater is still out there. I Dwayne Walker would probably be the guy that I would go after. Um, he worked briefly with Carkley at UCLA, so they, they at least know each other. Okay. Um, has been a coordinator, West Coast guy, and I, I do think that's one of the elements that as the staff reworks itself. Taking Brian Polian off the West Coast as a recruiter, or at least diversifying his portfolio, so to speak. Um, Dwayne Walker has a ton of West Coast connections, having been at UCLA. Currently, he's with the Cleveland Browns, so you would think you'd be able to pry him away <laughs> from there as the defensive backs coach. The um, process, Pete, is a process. Yeah, you know, he's got before that four years' experience as the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive backs coach. New Mexico State head coach for three years, and then UCLA before that, Washington Redskins, New York Giants, uh, and USC briefly. So, pretty good resume. The dude has been around the block. Um, And I think that in terms of somebody who would work well with Clark Lee, he would be high up my list. Um, And I think, look, he's got an NFL resume. I think that would appeal to Todd Light as well. I think Todd Light could learn a lot. Right. Dwayne Walker. So if that if you could take him away from Cleveland, which seems doable, um, that would be that would probably be the guy that, that I could would be a pull away issue too, I guess. But um, one last thing on Heater, he Chuck Heater is actually sixty five, and like Mike Elston, he's a former uh, Michigan Wolverine. Mike Elston's still in the still in tow. Yes. Assistant, Another promotion. Assistant to associate. <laughs> yes. From what does that mean? I have no I have idea. No idea but He's I'm sure. assistant head coach to associate I head bet coach. You in, I bet you money's involved. What it means, yeah. yeah. It means an extra, an extra few dollars. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, 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 saw somebody, I saw somebody take a shot at Mike Elston. You know, there's this very small percentage of guys that become head coaches. And there's nothing there's nothing uh, wrong with being a, a lifetime assistant coach. Well, Bob uh, Yacco should have been be, a lifetime assistant coach. Yeah, he should have been. He been a very and, successful one. You know, I, Mike Elson wants to be a head coach someday. That may or may not happen. Uh, but I don't think there's any shame in being promoted to assistant head coach, associate head coach, whatever the title is, and, and staying at a place for a long time. I don't think Mike Elson has anything to be embarrassed about. No. I mean, I think he's just he's an important part of the operation. Absolutely. Here, just like making sure the trains run on time. Like, that's. 
there's a lot of nonsense that goes around Notre Dame. So you need somebody who understands that and kind of cut down on that. I think Mike Elston does a good job right, in addition I mean, to being a good position coach and a good recruiter. I think he I think he approaches his job. We've seen him on the football field. He approaches his job with professionalism and enthusiasm. He's an asset to Notre Dame. The five best defensive lines Brian Kelly has had in his eight years were coached by Mike Elston. The three worst were not. There you go. I mean, I don't you know it has to do with coordinators and such too, but it's two different yeah. coordinators in two different schemes. And this year, who would have okay, I know Mike Elko gets a lot of credit for this and he should. Who was the defensive line coach of what we said was by far the worst unit? By far on Notre Dame's football team for nine months until all of a sudden they weren't. Mike Elston. Yep. He does a very good job at that position. And it would have been a huge hit to lose him just because Clark Lee got promoted. But that wasn't all that realistic, I don't think. I don't think he was going he to, leave to leave just for getting passed over. No, I, yeah. I don't think so. I, I, I think if he leaves, it will be, I can become a head coach with a more diversified resume than I'm getting at Notre Dame, yeah. similar to an Alford situation uh, after 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of other guys leaving, since our last podcast, Josh Hashem, Josh Adams declared, I think an hour after we recorded, um, and if you were listening, I said, by the time you listen to this, you will know what Josh yeah, is Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you going to write any more stories no, about I've, how everything is, like, the offensive line is optimistic <laughs> yeah, about God, the future? Thank God I got that in. <laughs> the coaching, the coaching like an staff, hour. There were people that were clamoring for you to write that yeah, story. Damn like, fine, here you go. Done. Are you satisfied now? <laughs> the coaching uh, staff will come back as the strongest Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the only story that's missing. You Notre Dame, unlikely to fold football program. Um, <laughs> Josh Adams is gone. That leaves Tavon Coney and Jerry Tiller. I reached out to somebody close to Tillery yesterday, said decision still ongoing. Um, I thought the if there was a newsy tidbit from it, it's only it's that he's two electives away from graduation. Yeah. So basically if he comes back as a senior, he'll actually be coming back as sort of a fifth year senior kind of guy and playing football for free, which would seem to indicate that would make it more likely that he would leave. Um, I'm not saying that makes it likely makes it, sure it gives him another leave. reason to leave. Gives him another reason to leave. I do think of all of Adams, St. Brown, Coney, and Tillery. Tillery has the most to gain financially by coming back in terms of moving up a draft board because where there are a ton of sort of fast, tall, not flexible receivers, and there are a ton of running backs who are. <laughs> wow, who are you talking about? Yeah, there are a ton of running backs who are like have a nice fifth gear, but like not a great second and third gear. And there are a ton of six foot one, two hundred forty pound linebackers who can run hash mark to hash mark. There aren't a lot of six foot six, three hundred fifteen pound, but run like your two fifty and very flexible defensive tackles like Jerry Tillery. And, I think and, he, and versatile he, enough to maybe play offensive yeah, tackle. I, I really think he's a guy that could go from a fifth round pick to yeah, a second a round point. pick. And if that happens, that's a real financial difference. He has many reasons to leave, but football is not one of them. I think he, I think Jerry Tillery for the football field should come back exactly why you said that, Pete, because he can completely improve his stock. Tavon Coney, if he leaves, we're all going to say, damn, because he is fun to watch play football and Notre Dame desperately needs him. It's like Carlton Scott leaving but with a year on. Is he going to have a better year next year? He could have a similar year, right? No, he wasn't going to have 175 tackles. Right, exactly. Well, he yeah, he could do year. it over 13 games he as could opposed do it again. to seven. He could do it again. Yeah. Yeah, um, but Jerry Tiller could get a lot better. It's like it's like Carlton Scott when he walked out the door and he had another year of eligibility. <laughs> it's like, dude, why did you do that? 
Cody was better than Carlton Scott, though. <laughs> if I said to you, Cody's entering the draft, you wouldn't respond to me like my roommate did. Oh, We're no, at no, war? No. Because no. Carlton Scott should not have entered the draft. No, I would agree. I would agree. I would agree with that. So, Cody oh, and Tillery will both be huge losses. Cody because I think he can be an All-American. Tillery because he's going to be a four-year starting nose tackle yeah. that could only focus on football for the first time yeah, in his it would life. Be, and it would certainly be nice to have an experienced six foot six and a half, 315-pound guy there with a bunch of real promising young guys. Though Jerry Tillery will be the first grad student or senior that needs three credits that, for some reason, just takes a full load at Notre Dame and <laughs> harder on himself because uh, all the other guys that do that... and. Happily announced that they have no classes to take their final yeah. semester. That's Even like, Drew Tranquil was like, yeah, I'm going to probably die like that. Wow. I was proud of him to say Good that, too. Him. He's exactly. been going hard for so long. He should, yeah. ballroom dance should be his number one goal yeah. off the field. <laughs> uh, Getting married, too. Yeah, bef- learn to do that. Before we get into uh, <laughs> yeah. our football-only questions in segment two, hoops, since we all said they were going to get their butt handed to them at Syracuse uh, last weekend, only for them to win. I meant uh, Tech. Oh, and then, <laughs> but then fall last night at, at Georgia Tech. Um, what do you make of where Notre basketball is right now? Is it, has, has really a lot changed from where we were a week ago when I said, are they making the tournament, yes or no, and we all voted no? Well, the Farrell injury makes this North Carolina-Louisville swing look difficult at home. Um, good teams like Notre Dame and average teams of the ACC upset the likes of North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Louisville at home. All the time, but not necessarily when they're missing their two best players. And especially, Farrell, the playmaking ability he has, they would need him, I think, to outlet, to, to kind of, I think they'll play well against North Carolina, but then the talent level of North Carolina shines forth when you're missing Colson and Farrell. Louisville's a really rough matchup without Matt Farrell. Because they are going to press and even the Fer- living daylights yeah, out Yeah, and of even here. if Farrell plays, he, he will be playing for the first time Farrell. in weeks, yeah. right? So I think the timing of the schedule... Really hurts this three and one team. You, if you could roll in uh, BC and Pitt while Farrell's out, you're probably a little better off. But, but that's they not were, the way it works. but they also caught the break of getting Georgia Tech and NC State at home to to start. And you know, okay, we all said what we said about them going to Syracuse. We were wrong, but we were giving Syracuse too much credit because that's a pretty terrible offensive team that isn't real well coached anymore. Um. You know, I mean, their 2-3 zone is a shell of what we're normally, you know, what we're accustomed to seeing. They got guys that aren't chasing a play with the game on the line, so Gibbs throws one off the backboard and Fluger's there, and you got two guys staying at half court for Syracuse. Notre Dame took advantage of an opportunity, you know, against Georgia Tech. I mean, they had a real opportunity to, to steal that one, too, and they just couldn't play well enough. Fluger apparently... Was sick. Maybe DJ Harvey was too. Fluger missed seven shots in the first half. It was another. I mean, back to back games. They had 19 points in the first half and uh, at Syracuse and 20 at, at Georgia Tech. And it, you know, you we've said this many times. You expend so much energy to come back and get in the game and then take a lead. It's difficult to hold on to that. And they just got outscored down the last you know seven minutes. It's Georgia Tech's a fine team at home. They're now nine and two at home under Josh Pastner, and that includes wins twice over Notre Dame, one ranked Notre Dame team. Notre Dame was technically, I guess, ranked yesterday, but they've beaten number fourteen North Carolina, number six Florida State, number fifteen Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame again. They beat Syracuse last year. They're they're a good home team. They're nine and two with him. 
Nor they didn't have Colson and Farrell. If they didn't have Lammers and Okogie, nor they would have won the game. Yeah, Pastor's that's, a, that's, that's a good coach. I mean, to. he's a defense first guy. And then ultimately against this yeah, current makeup of, of Nordic basketball, it, it, you just don't have enough uh, offensive weapons. I continue to, I mean, Martin Gebbin, thank God for Martin Gebbin. I mean, he is. How many, you, was it 18 months ago or longer than 18 months ago? Oh he was stationary, God. right? Oh my God. Couldn't stationary change human. Couldn't change ends. He couldn't change ends. We got him to start changing ends. I thought that was a big step at the time. But I mean, this is a guy that you know, where would they be without Martin Gemmon right now? He was sixteen and nine last night, and 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 this is against a really good center in Ben Lammers. Two games in a row, he's really improved. Yeah. But Martin Gemmon needs Matt Farrell to come yeah, back as soon no, as he can. He's, they, a they, fi- he's a fine fourth option, right? And unfortunately, yeah. they don't have their very, top two. He's a he's a functional big who can like run the offense yeah. now. I mean, that's that's great, you know. And then here's here's T.J. Gibbs coming off ACC Player of the Week, and you need him to play like that again. And that's just not realistic for him to string. You know, three or four performances t- together like that without Colson and Farrell on the court with him. He's another, you know, he, Gibbs can't be the first option. He right. needs to be the third, and that's what he is when those other two guys are on the court. Close game against North Carolina this weekend, Pete. Yes, no. we'll all be there. You no. say no? I say close. Play well. Yeah, I say, I say close because you know, we see, we do it all this all the time with Bray. Okay, they're coming out. They lost. It's like, okay, they're going to string losses together, which happens. But I think they'll play, uh, you know, and I, I'm not so sure that that the North Carolina team will be properly motivated by the leadership on the bench. <laughs> we had two more months of the, of the North yeah. Carolina. They are the defending national champions. What? All these titles stink. And so they're the de- they're the defending. I, 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 year before they were. Roy, Roy, yeah, Roy. It's because of Roy Williams that North Carolina is so good. Is that what you're telling I'm just me? Saying recruiting matters. Huh? Yeah. Well, recruiting matters, but once they're already on the team, coaching matters, and it's it, it, it and and when that when they reach that point, then it's all about recruiting because they have the guys. All right, before we go off the rails anymore, here, have you changed your opinion on the NCAA tournament? Because we had three three votes for no last week. I have I'm still no in the same way I was kind of bubble no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I I, I spelled out a scenario on Thursday thoughts. If they've got seven home games, if they could win five, that would get them to eight wins. And if, if you would just win two of the remaining seven road games, that gets you to ten. And ten and eight with the with the prospect of Colson coming back, I think you can get in the NSA tournament, but. You know, th- those are just numbers. Do I think they're going to win five out of seven at home? I think that's going to be difficult. Do I think they're going to win two out of seven on the road? I think that could be difficult too. Yeah, I think I'm I'm still in the the no camp, but until they steal like a Louisville, North Carolina, they need, type yeah, of, one of those steals would would be would make a significant difference. Very quickly, the next few games percentage chance to win from KenPom.com. Notre Dame. Fifty-five percent chance over North Carolina. They were seventy. What? They were seventy-eight percent last night. Thirty-six percent chance at Clemson. Oh yeah. What about what about Louisville? Seventy percent. They were seventy-eight percent. Wasn't it seventy-eight it was last night? Last seventy-three. Night, yeah. Okay. Duke just, is twenty. I, just, I mean, that's just yeah. a that's a that, we're, we're playing numbers. Yeah. No, it's just uh, they, they. I'm just letting people know that the, that's how the point spread is going to no, come out though Bray, this point spread will not I know, and Bray, and Bray referred to like Ken Palm which yeah. gives it credibility there's yeah. no doubt about that 
Nobody's talking I mean, about why it. why wouldn't I refer to something that says we're very good and we'll still Well, wait. that's true. Nobody <laughs> says anything about the uh, O'Malley slash Priester prediction. He, he did. Has he referred to that before? You know, when we, we predict at the end no, of each preview? No, but Ken Pommy does. Ken Pommy does. does so. Well, last night we only missed by uh, one bucket, so maybe... That was a good... That was a, you, yep. that was well done. You were the team Georgia Tech is the only thing I've been able to hit so far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one bucket apiece. Syracuse, I missed by 47 baskets. That's okay. <laughs> All right. On that note, that's it for segment one. We'll come back. Segment two, questions for readers next. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by... Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our burning up the board segment. We start with a question from Irish by the sea. Bigger loss, Mike Elko or Harry Heastin? Uh That's a good question. I, I'd go Elko because um, I think he was harder to replace. Like You're not going to hire a first-time offensive line coach to replace Harry Heastin, whereas that's sort of what you had to do with Clark Lee. So I would I would go with Elko. Just, I mean, he's... A, He's the friggin' coordinator, and they had a they had a really good year. There was something to build on there, whereas I feel like with Heastan it was already built. I would go Elko because at the end of the Citrus Bowl, everyone figured the Notre Dame's defense is going to be even better in year two of the Mike Elko era, and I don't peep, don't know if people are all saying it's going to be even better just because they retained Clark Lee. I think Elko was like the I know Bayless got most of the offseason credit, but Elko was kind of the. They are all in on Brian Kelly because he hired these two great coordinators. That's a big loss. Yeah, I I would agree. It seems kind of silly, all three of us saying that, and Harry Heastan, you know, a legendary coach. Yeah, you you need him when you're replacing your two two best players on your football team, too, basically. Yeah. Um, They're both bad. I mentioned this in Thursday (laughs) Thoughts. It always cracks me up when, when... you know, an offensive lineman in Notre Dame says, Harry Heastin's the best best offensive line coach in the country. Of course, I've never played for another coach in the country, <laughs> so I have no idea. But I understand why they say it because, I mean, they all believe in him. And do we have to say – I mean, I, I agree. Elko's more significant for a lot of the reasons that you said, Pete, that, you know, you replaced him with a first-time coordinator and you can't do that with Heastan. But uh, – Nor do you have to because, like – No, you don't. Right. But that, built but, a position to – you know, good a good point of stature, I guess. That'd be attractive. I, I mean, I think the 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 greater factor, the more sig- significant factor, is the two best assistant coaches that you had on a team that turned things around and won ten games and won a, a January bowl game for the first time in twenty four years. Just walked out the door. Good times. All right, uh, Mr. McBrug wants to know: Are the recent high profile staff departures signs of program strength or program weakness? The two of them, they could. There's diff- completely different. There's no sign of program weakness because Harry Heastan no. developed the line to the award-winning stature it is and then decided to go back to his dream of being in the NFL and made a business decision. Um, it's not a program strength to lose Elko to Texas A&M if you're Notre Dame. So nope. it's not a sign of a program strength there. Um, Heastan kind of is, right? Well, it depends on who they hire. I yes, mean, if but they, Harry If they Heastan hire is. Andy Heck, 
then it's a sign of program strength because it said, like what I just said, like the stature of the offensive line coach at Notre Dame is huge. It needs to be treated as such. If they make a lesser hire or a panic move, which I don't think that they will, then I would feel different. There, there seems to be. Well, I mean, just look at our board. Just the, there are way more candidates for that job than there were for for Elko's job. I can tell you, like behind the scenes, multiple offensive line coaches. I think probably at least a half dozen have reached out to their right. name about the position. I don't think that was true with defensive coordinator. Right, and so they're going to get a good. Offensive line coach? Are they going to get a, a, a? Is a legend going to follow a legend? Legend? Probably not statistically, but they should find a real quality offensive line coach. Yeah, I mean, here's what we're talking about for offensive line coaches. Maybe is it somebody, the guy from the Kansas City Chiefs or the University of Iowa or Boston College? Whereas defensive coordinator is, is it the guy from Iowa State or Army or a guy who's never done the job? No, I mean it's it's. Apples and oranges between those two positions. Right. Now, I, not that Iowa and Boston College are powers, but they are as offensive as, lines right. and running games. Yeah. You know, the, circling back to that first question, it's not even close. They found the diamond-in-the-rough young coordinator from Wake Forest who had only proven himself, Mike Elko, who had only proven himself, we're talking about Army and Iowa State right now, at Wake Forest. Yeah, And right. he was a great home run hire. Yeah, I that mean, is a he, had, huge he had considerable yes. success at Bowling Green, too. But that's the that's, that's like saying Army in those places And the again. U.S. Merchant Marines <laughs> right. or whoever is, he... You know, he they was cor- found the guy, had to only survive one offseason wondering, well, it's a step up, how's he going to be? And he was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. And, you nice. know, I, there, I mean, I saw some people say, oh, well, he didn't do a very good job. He didn't do a good job with the safeties. Come on, that's what we said about... That's what we said about <laughs> Harry Heastan's not a good offensive line coach because... Tennessee's offensive line struggled. We don't bear. We don't take the time to look at the composition of the Tennessee offensive lines. We just pass judgment on one little piece of information. The people that say Mike Elko isn't a good coach because he didn't do a good job with the safeties are going to say Mike Bray is not a good coach because Elijah Burns is not stopping North Carolina's power forwards in this game. You know what? Some guys aren't capable he of did. doing something. Elko like did a great, we talked about it all year, Pete. Elko did a great job of covering up how bad the safeties were. Yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly's opinion about Mike, El- uh, Mike Elko's safety coaching was incredible. He's, his response when I asked him, I was basically like, you saw what we had at safety, right? <laughs> like, And we ran a safeties-driven defense. That's pretty outstanding. And and like, and, yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, I mean, I think that that's one of the disappointing things of him leaving because I think... We would have seen a significant step up at the safety position. Well, from different players. From though. different players, yeah. absolutely. Which but that's part, part of the part of the coaching process, yeah. and maybe it will happen anyway. Uh, it will happen. It, 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 well, yeah. I mean, it will. They will be better than they were last year. Right. Just, just by the personnel. We've talked about this before. You remember? I said I'm not going to do tail of the tapes if. Right. <laughs> if I was going to do the uh, that addendum tail of the tape. <laughs> Brian Kelly preceded that comment to you, Pete, by also stating that the. Freshman transfer safety from Navy would have started for his team upon arrival yep. at Notre Dame. Yep. Never in the history of the world has that been a thing. No. <laughs> and it's just sort of accepted as like, well, yeah, obviously. I mean, he could run and tackle people. Why, why wouldn't he start? All right. CMU Penns fans, provided the runs, uh, prov- provided he runs into no more issues off the field, do you see CJ Holmes as the guy who will start at running back for Notre Dame, especially if Dexter Williams cannot figure out blocking schemes? Tony Jones. Tony Jones is uh, Tony Jones played all year. Uh, 
I mean, I guess I know where it's coming from because C.J. Holmes seems like more of a, you know, a, a, a 18 carry a game back than Tony Jones. But, I mean, the, the question is, um, what, can we assume it? Was that how it was phrased? They're thinking if Dexter Do Williams see Holmes is in again. the same. Not yeah, I mean, yet. I you know, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Dexter Williams has been injury prone. C.J. Holmes... Probably has more upside long term, I guess, than than Tony Jones. I, I mean, I don't think you want Tony Jones carrying sixteen times a game next year. No, but I like having all three of these guys involved. I don't think the the one bonus of Josh Adams leaving is they may trust have to trust multiple running backs next year. Right. Right. But you know what, Dexter Williams can't go on the field for reasons that aren't for sprinting. He's a good natural runner, but if you're not, if you don't, know, <laughs> if you don't know your plays and you don't know where to be picking up blocks. It's hard to be out there, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we make fun of it because it does deserve some derision that he can't be Not out there. Funny next year. <laughs> that he can't no, that he can't be out there. But now Tony, I mean, the, the staff likes Tony Jones Jr. and yeah. cir- Pete circling back with the staff postseason. They really like Tony Jones Jr. He just yeah. he he did not handle his injury well. No, I think with this question, it's <laughs> all right. How do you divide? Let's say they had the same number of carries from running backs, about three hundred fifty. How are you dividing those up next year? It's hard for me to look at Notre Dame's roster and figure out how you could find three hundred fifty carries. That's a good way of putting in it. In terms of health, uh, durability, reliability. I just I don't know, like whether it's C.J. Holmes, Jameer Smith. That's what I was going to say. Deion McIntosh. I mean, Deion McIntosh and C.J. Holmes are suspended. Dexter Williams. Uh, Cannot get onto the field. Tony Jones has been banged up. It's difficult for me to look at the running back position next year and have a whole lot of confidence that, that they're just going to be able to field the kind of roster that they want. Yeah, there's a question, you know, with every guy that we mentioned there. I mean, C.J. Yeah. Jones is coming off, of, um, you know, a, a, a very poor decision. Um, Tony Jones, they weren't happy with his inability to deal with physical setbacks and he's running back so that's a problem yeah it's going to occur Same way with Dexter, you yeah, know yeah. it's not a great situation it's it's a good question I, I mean i know where you're coming from because they're we can't sit here and give you i i think pete when you write 350 and circle it it's like yeah that's, Ooh, that's, that's, a that's a lot of carries for that group of guys yeah i mean there's a reason <laughs> josh adams was such a critical recruit for them to get back um i you know don't i totally understand why he left but um that then that 350 would have turned into 150, and it'd be like, of course, they can figure out how to uh, get 150 carries. You know, this was one of the few years, though, there that they really relied on one. But having Josh, I think Josh Emsel, the second running back to ever go over 200 attempts. 206. Yeah, and I think C.R. Wood was the only other one, and that was the year with Jonas Gray, where they didn't trust him for a while until he ran over everybody for eight straight games. But usually there's a little bit more committee with them, Brian Kelly. That's why it was, obviously, they don't trust the guys they had this year, yeah. because... He, he usually spreads it out a little more. I mean, Dion McIntosh was second with 65 carries. Now, a lot of that comes from Brandon Wimbush being a runner. 141 carries for Brandon Wimbush. We did not forecast that coming into the year. No. That's that's a running back. That, right. that is like how many carries Sierra Wood had in 2012, about 141 wow. carries. Think of it that way. Yeah. That seems askew when it's your quarterback, but they needed... I mean, he obviously had to do it. It was, their, it was his best method of moving the ball. I just think the running game's going to look different. Next year, you're not going to have the one running back you yeah. hand it to. Yeah. Well, you're not going to have. Yeah, one. I think it, I think it's going to look different. You're not going to have the one running back you hand it to. You, I I think he's asking, are you going to have? Let's say Dexter Williams gets it. Is he getting 206 carries? He's not. No, and neither is C.J. Holmes. 
Yeah, but we'll be we'll we'll get a better idea of that when we get to spring. But I mean, it's open ended right now. JPF five hundred five. Do you feel decisions such as ridiculously difficult schedules with coast to coast travel in the Syracuse game at Yankee Stadium, which from the fans' point of view make it harder for the team to compete for a playoff spot? Do you think all that impacts Notre Dame's ability to retain or bring new coaches in? No, I don't think any coach has any idea they switched their game from home to Syracuse. Well, it was suggested that. That Elko and he stand part of the reason they left was well, because people of the on the staff out. know, but I'm saying no one they're interviewing is like, so why did you guys decide to play that neutral side game in Syracuse? I've been reading all about that over Christmas break, and it's just, <laughs> yeah, they have no idea. I don't think, so yeah, that's I don't not think, bringing you think, in. You think Harry Heastink is a damn where they're supposed to line up and play a game? No, that's not <laughs> a possible thing. Uh, you know, did we have we forgotten? It's about, still dumb to do. I'm not. No, it's dumb. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's, said, let's be fair. No, we've we've said it every time we've had right. a podcast since the decision was made. But my point is this: um, did we forget about how easy the 2016 schedule was? I saw that that you wrote about that. That's it. Just unfortunately, I mean, you know what? So Notre Dame was the easy part of everyone's schedule in 2016. I mean, the last too. did we forget the oh, 2016? I was yeah. like, 20, no, 2016 when when they went four and eight against. One of the easiest schedules they could. They only had yeah. three true road games. Their tough games against Stanford, or, or three of their toughest games against Stanford, Miami, and Virginia Tech were at home. They played Navy, Army, Syracuse, and neutral sites. Uh, they had home games against Michigan State, Nevada, and Duke, who had a combined twelve wins. I mean, it the 2016 <laughs> schedule was about as easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the 2016 schedule was about as easy as it got. The 2017 was about as difficult as it gets. Right, right. And as we look at I mean, I'm not trying to... I'm, in no way am I justifying moving Syracuse to no, the state. No, I don't But I, we, I don't... Don't we go through this, this team every year? Rip, we don't this team know. would have ripped through the 2016 schedule, is what you're saying. Well, and also yeah, the 2018 yeah. schedule, you know, there's only eight bowl teams from this year as compared to ten, I think, this year. That's a, there's some top heaviness to the 2018 schedule, though. That's tough to. Yeah, um, I mean, Ball to State, look at Rosie right now. Ball State was two and ten. Vandy was five and seven. Pitt was five and seven. Florida State was seven and six. That's oh, an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Syracuse four and eight. I mean, I, 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 it's like I said, I don't have as much problem with who they play. It's when and where that that you have a problem with. Irish ND23 with three assistant and uh, with these assistant and associate head coach promotions the last couple seasons, what is the end game for Mike Elston at Notre Dame? Is he a guy they consider to replace Brian Kelly? Oh, he has to be a head coach. He has to be a head coach before coming yeah, Swarbert, to Notre Dame. Well, as long yeah. as Jack Swarbert's around, right. you would never hire somebody that doesn't have head coaching experience. You should never hire someone that doesn't have head coaching experience at Notre Dame. No. Yeah, Brian Kelly had 25 years ago. No, but it was done with Bob Davey. And it was that, you know, I mean, that was less than two decades ago. Uh, and and it, was it was a right resounding about success. Yeah, no, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was terrible. But again, that was what, that was, a, you, it's like, okay, yeah, we're talking about continuity. And I know it's different with a, with a defensive coordinator. But at the time, it was like, well, this guy's been in the program. They got him from Texas A&M. I'm not saying it. I, I was the angriest 22 year old. Yeah, I, I, fan. I mean, I guess I. I mean, I guess I wasn't. I guess I should have been a little bit more in tune with that. But it quickly be, became obvious that Bob Davey was going to make an excuse for every opportunity at, at every opportunity he could 
to justify why he was losing. Speaking of the ability to uh, recognize talent, he fired Joe Moore. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> I want to go down that road, but <laughs> that's how that era started out. <laughs> that's not a real astute decision. No, but I, uh, we all respect Mike Elston, but he's not going to be Notre Dame's head coach to replace Brian Kelly. He has to go coach and be successful somewhere, just like any other good coordinator at right. Notre Dame. We've got people who were jumping the gun with Sanford last year. Um, he had to go coach and win at least at Western Kentucky and time it out correctly and not 6-7, and seven, which is what he was. Um, you have to be very successful, I would think, at a lower level. I would really hope, let's say, Brian Kelly. It's too hard to figure out, guys on the top of our heads right now, so let's say he retires in three years. Brian Kelly does well and retires. You, you have to have a successful coach at another program, not just a guy you think can work. The job is the hardest off the field that there is, right? Managing uh, all the junk. It is up there. Yeah, it's up there. Not like following Saban would be impossible, <laughs> but I'm saying just the actual, all the stuff you have to deal with at Notre Dame, it's, it, it has nothing to do with, this guy looks like a sharp young coach. That's put unfortunately that's not it. Put a percentage on this: the percentage of him retiring from Notre Dame or being fired by Notre Dame, or and or leaving Notre Dame. Yeah, or leaving or leaving retiring, but leaving Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole the whole NFL. Why would an NFL team hire Brian Kelly as a head coach right now? I mean, that whole every time that comes up, I'm like, and it doesn't really come up what? anymore. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'm not I'm saying just, on a message board. I'm saying yeah. just like you never. No, really no, yeah, that's that's my point. I mean, that's just not realistic yeah. that he would be considered for a. But what what what's a? I think there's a fired or, or, or likelihood that they would it would be like parting of the ways where it's yeah. he's was asked yeah. like I don't think it would be like we are firing Brian Kelly today or anything like that. I think it's we have decided that Brian Kelly has taken the football program to. Uh, Higher level than it had been the last 15 years, one of those statements, and he is, you know, we're moving on, and this is a good time, and I feel like the program's in good shape. One of those situations. I think that's how we're on, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're going to ever announce, totally agree like, with that. if they would have fired him, if they're going to, like, fire him. What does this have to do with Mike Elston, by the way? I don't know. <laughs> but I was just going to bring up Matt Campbell and what Matt Campbell has to do to further put himself in a position to be a head coach in Notre Dame down the road. That's your guy. I mean, I think he's got. Pardon me. That's your guy. Uh, you know, I would I would stop short of saying that's my guy, um, but I think he's really really interesting. Um, I think he's done a really good job, not necessarily a great job um, at Iowa State. Although you know, because I mean, they had they had a couple major upsets this year and then still lost five times. So yeah, that's they got to be wary of the major upsets. But when you look at the final record. Tyrone Willingham had some nice upsets at Notre Dame. Yeah, you know that you wouldn't. They were they were playing a linebacker at quarterback or a quarterback at linebacker. I'm not <laughs> sure what which, it was. what's what. But well, okay. Do you have a guy? Do you guys have guys? To no, that's that's why it's a difficult thing. Yeah, and he went to Baylor for some reason. Was the guy I was thinking of for a while. Now he's trying. Well, to he might go to the NFL. Now. Yeah, well, he should because then he can come to Notre Dame afterwards. Yeah. Get out of Baylor. <laughs> Two steps closer to hell. That was a that was a very I unusual decision. It. it was the strangest thing that shocked me, but. Unrelated note, Dashing Domer, do you think the recent events in any way affect Brian Kelly's longevity at Notre Dame? Not necessarily because he would get fired, but reinventing yourself again and again eventually has to take its toll. No, I don't think it has any effect on it because I don't think he has to reinvent himself after this one. You know, he's, he hired Mike Elko, the sequel, um, or at least the, that's the what, he, he hopes, what he hopes is the, the case. Yeah, so he's trying to not reinvent anything. He's trying to keep things going, which he should. Um so no, I, I don't think this 
is going to sort of change the timeline for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. I think he sees it as sort of a, I mean, he said in the past, like, you know, this isn't a job that you have for more than 10 years. Well, we're getting kind of close it's to the close. year 10 now. Um, so, no, I, I don't think this changes anything. I think it will make the next two or three years harder, but I don't think it's going to make it so hard that, you know, they're like, all right, that's it. We got to make a change. I think the, he's in year nine. Is it year nine? I can't remember. It'll be year nine. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's in year nine. There's, that's just kind of how it is. Well, um, I understand your answer to that question. I think it's, but I also think it's a, a good question because, you know, and I, I probably, I obviously didn't do a real good job of writing a column right after the Elko announcement. Um, but, you know, I think it reflected, I mean, I don't know that winning the Citrus Bowl was euphoria, but it was about as close as Nordic could get in the postseason. The way they won it was also Yeah, and the way they base. won yeah. it in the mm-hmm. first, it was 24 years since you had won a game on January 1st, and within 72 hours you lost the coordinator. I mean, I just, it was kind of astonishing to me that that would happen to this program that was, you know, I mean, just looking for some type of consistency where you can string some things together, which Brian Kelly hasn't been able to do from year to year. And so all of a sudden now you're dealing with that. And so I guess my answer to this question, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to reinvent himself, but certainly the optimism that you had in the 72 hours leading up to the Elko decision, and then you throw in the he stand decision, I mean, a lot of that's been lost. It's a fair question because today is January 11th, right? Am I correct on that? Yes. Uh, exactly two months ago, we were about to leave a hotel in Miami when Notre Dame was ranked number three in the country. It looked like the best team of the Brian Kelly era, the best team in the last 25 years at Notre Dame, favored to win at Miami on the road and be in the playoffs, and Mike Elko and Chip Long were vying inside the goo to figure yeah, out okay. who would be nominated for the Frank Broyles <laughs> Award. And now we're talking about what we're talking about. Right. So things right. happen right. quickly. Um, Just think if you don't make that play against LSU. Yeah. You know, I mean, Every I game has that. No, I got it. That's why you don't want to play so many close you, games. I know, yes, but if you didn't. added that to these things... right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that and that's your point. There was euphoria for a fan base. That's as fun as, I think, everybody, every Notre Dame fan watching that game, that's probably their favorite bowl game. Unless you are everyone under 40. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. Easily. What are the other oh, yeah. contenders? <laughs> the White Bowl? Sun Bowl is a pretty good time, right? That was big. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, but that's, this is a memorable, this is an all-time ending bowl game for a Notre Dame football program. Yeah. Aside from, like, Alabama. I don't mean 2012. This is this is. I mean, this is a huge ending. No, it, was it great is. For the I don't. Uh, well, okay. Um, and it was a remarkable. You play. were you were a teenager the last time they had won a January one ball. Uh, yeah, that was that was a while ago. Um, so I don't really have any recollection okay. of that happening. Right. Okay. Um, pretty much, I only remember Notre Dame bowl games that I have covered, and I. I think I have some memory of the Jerome Bettis Florida Sugar Bowl game. Okay. That's about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, when, when the news of, on Elko was released, I could only think of bad things about the Notre Dame program. It wasn't, it wasn't like somebody said, well, okay, well, you just, the column you wrote this week is better because it's more upbeat. The news reflects, the news reflects what you write. And I thought that the Elko news, 
sucked about as much as any news yes, could could at that point. I would say this is it's not the same it's not the same thing, but it's a similar thing. The last time they beat LSU in a bowl game, that was also a very euphoric situation, game winning field goal. That team had no business really hanging with right. LSU. They were so banged up. And then a month later, Alford leaves. They reshuffle the staff. You're like, ah, crap, that's their best recruiter, the recruiting coordinator. Thing that also dashed some optimism. Not nearly to the level of this. No. But they came back the next year. They went ten and three. It was with a backup quarterback. Um I, it's like we can argue that point again. Yeah. <laughs> it's um So I just like you know, throwing dirt on the whole thing is I think a little premature. But I know a lot of people wanted to do that after the He Stand news followed the Elko news. And I and I understand why people feel that way. And I don't, I mean don't you there was a cloud hanging over Notre Dame that day. The Elko. The, the Elko, Elko, the Elko thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Harry's just totally Our journalism reflects the reality of the situation in Notre Dame. I'd just like to say that. All right, last question. We're running a little long here. FJ Cat, if I make a donation to the Irish Illustrated Staff Endowment, will there be a position called the FJ Cat Senior Editor? Sure, why not, right? (laughs) I I think it's at least a two-figure donation would be required. Well, (laughs) uh, Having known FJ Cat for a long time, I would be honored to have the senior editor. <laughs> the FJ Cat senior down. editor, Tim yeah. Priester. <laughs> yeah. Um, but do we have official press releases? We are for, for everybody. <laughs> What's that? Do we have official Irish Illustrated I press think, releases? I think I would apply for credentials for you as FJ Cat senior yeah. editor. Sure. That'll that'll go a long way. Position. But I, I would like to take this opportunity to say that I believe at this point we are looking for a sponsor for our podcast moving forward. So if FJ Cat would like to sponsor <laughs> our podcast, one of our two podcasts moving forward, we would gladly welcome that. Um, but if you want to endow the senior editorship, I will take all the proceeds from that. Thank you. <laughs> all right. On that note, that's a wrap for Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back next Tuesday. That will be a day after the NFL draft deadline declaration, so we'll know for sure what's up with Jerry Tillery and Tavon Coney. Probably we'll know more, maybe about the safety position, probably not about the offensive line position, um, and any other news around Notre Dame, because there never seems to be a dull moment in the offseason. So until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.